Creating a parenting plan with a narcissist is never easy. But when your child has special needs, the need to forward plan is essential. Children who have special needs require extra time, care, and often money. My name is Tracy Malone, and I am the founder of NarcissistAbuseSupport.com, a global resource for victims of narcissistic abuse. And I'm the author of Divorcing Your Narcissist, You Can't Make This Shit Up. I'm also an international abuse coach, and I'm here to help. If you have questions or are just looking to finally heal after all of this, my information is below. I've also been building a parenting plan course for a long time, and it's almost ready. So if this particular lesson comes in handy for you, I've got the resources and the hope to hopefully help you, whether your child has special needs or not, but to get the right parenting plan so that this post-divorce abuse stuff, particularly in the, the child arena, can be you know, to the best that we can possibly make it. The needs are different. But today, we're going to talk about that special needs child. Um, the added obligations can cause a marriage to fail. And, you know, studies show that 85% of parents with special needs children do get divorced. The shocking rate of divorce is often due to the stressors and um, meeting the requirements of that child. So if it's hard now, imagine what it's going to be when you get a divorce. If you're in a divorce and trying to decide these factors, Remember, what you're seeing now is a good reflection of the cooperation that you're going to get later on. I've had so many clients with special needs children and just fighting for the simple things like a wheelchair or replacement of the equipment that they need becomes a battle forever. So today I've got a special guest out there um, and her name is Rebecca Stern. She's a special needs parenting plan expert and a mediator and we're going to look at some things that you really need to be made aware of and how to best plan out for your special needs children. So let's let's go meet her and see what she's got to say and what she can add to this conversation. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Tracy. I am so happy that you are here because many people struggle with parenting plans without a special needs child. But when we've got a special needs child, um, there's so much more that we need to consider and take into account. So what I want to start with asking you is a lot of people in my arena don't even understand that what their child has is a special need. And um, what kind of things do you think that people should understand besides that they're in a wheelchair or they have something that is a physical disability? Right. A lot of times when we say the term special needs, we think of those things that we can see, the physical disabilities. But there are so many different hidden challenges that we also need to pay attention to. So from my perspective, I think of it like special education needs. If there's anything that your child would need support for in school and without that scaffolding, they wouldn't be able to access their education in a way equal to the child sitting next to them. That to me is a special need. I mean, everybody talks about the language and describes things differently, but it's really anything that's a little bit extra. So that can be something as serious as you know, being way on the autism spectrum, it can be something, um, you know, that you might not notice right away that takes a little digging, like maybe a mild case of ADHD. 
It just depends what your child needs, but any individual support that they're going to need that's kind of outside the norm, that they don't fit right into that box that they're trying to put all the kids in in school and give them all the same thing. That to me is something that needs extra attention in a parenting plan when you're going through a divorce, just like it needs extra attention in school. Yeah, uh, that makes so much sense. And like, as you were saying that, would dyslexia fall under this umbrella? Absolutely. Dyslexia falls under the heading of a specific learning disability. So parallel again to the school system, a child that has a specific learning disability would qualify for special education and related services in schools. So we should pay attention to that when we're talking about a plan for home as well. Absolutely. Thank you. That's perfect to know because, again, if we don't know that we have rights, which is the problem that you and I have talked about, if we don't even know and and we we don't ask, right, and it, right. It's difficulties in a special needs child, you know, financially and you know, medically and therapy-wise and education-wise, there's so many different prognosis that limits their future. What other kinds of things um, besides the, the medication and things like that, that um, kids might need that we can work into this kind of a plan? Really almost anything. The way I look at it when we're building a special needs parenting plan is anyone who's going to be a caregiver for your child, they need to understand, accept, be on board with, and be able to provide whatever that child needs to help them thrive throughout their day. So all the things that you mentioned you know, medication, maybe they need a special diet of some sort, maybe they need transitions to go a certain way because they have difficulty with transitions, anything that they might need to help them thrive during the day, everybody who's going to be with them needs to be able to provide what they really need. That's a good thing to know. <laughs> and, and again, I just, I just envisioned some of my clients that have had this challenge, just getting, you know, the, the car seat, that's a very special thing that's rigged and done. And, you know, and then of course the car seat's not going to last forever. And then they get a little bigger and something else happens. So there's just so many things that people need to put into this parenting plan. And you and I have talked about how long they can be like, they can be quite substantial because you're taking into consideration all the different situations and planning for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I do think the more detail you put into it, the fewer arguments you're going to have down the road, because you're stating right up front what the expectations are. And while we certainly can't make anybody do something, if that's right up front in the parenting plan, at least they're reading what's expected of them. And they can consider whether or not that's a responsibility that they can take on in a certain context. So it really, it covers so many different aspects, how much time you're spending, where you're spending time with what support, if any, you know, how is this really going to work in a practical sense? Like, and there's modifications to a home, right? Some people with, with, with ramps or need to have things, the kid has to be on the ground floor because they're in a wheelchair. There's so many factors that, again, every case is going to be different. But if you do not even, this is a mistake I see in normal parenting plans is planning for the future. Your kid's six right now, but what's it going to look like when you are physically lifting a 16-year-old into a tub? And, you know, what kind of equipment do you need to kind of take care of some of those things? Maybe you need a roll-in shower and, and things to modify the home, as I said before. But there's transportation needs, there's school, there's surgeries. What other things do we want to put into this that I haven't mentioned yet? Oh, gosh. Well, if you think about your 
your marital settlement agreement as a whole and your parenting plan within it. Everything from custody and all the different things involved with that, from child support to age of emancipation to are we planning for college? Are we planning for some other secondary program or transition program? Or if the child is six and we can't really fathom these things yet, where are we going to go together to get that information or to get clinical advice at the time that that is relevant? What financial experts are we going to go to? It's really a matter of putting together a team of people that have experience in that area and knowing that that's where you're going to go for guidance. And, you know, that can really help if you're dealing with a co-parent who is a difficult personality you know, it's much easier for somebody to hear something from a trusted clinician who's accredited in a specific field than from the person you are angry with and have all these difficult emotions with. So the more you can bring in different specialists to answer questions and be the source of information to guide things, the better, especially if you wind up in a situation where there's court involvement, because the judge's usually are not experts in special needs either. And really they have these two people arguing over something. They don't know what the right thing is for your child. They wanna prioritize the best interest of your child, but what is that? So the more you can bring in, you know, evaluation reports and things like that from clinical professionals, mm -hmm. the better chance you're gonna have of getting those things enforced as being necessary if a clinician says it's necessary. Yeah. And, and that's the key part here. You know, I, I picture these every parenting plan as a boundary document. And especially in my audience with narcissistic spouses, um, you know, they end up surrendering and going, you know, I fought so long just to get child support. I, I, I'm just done. I don't even want to, you know, I don't want to make a fuss. I, I just count me out, right? They're walking away from the actual fighting for what they need. And I tell them, this is not only a boundary document to keep the peace in your future, because you've thought of every type of situation, right? But it is also, you know, you either pay now or you pay later. And you're if you're going to have those arguments, whether it be into the court system or with a parent coordinator or someone else, it's going to keep costing you and costing you. But if you took the time from the beginning to really map it out, and I am talking you know, beyond the 18 years, because a lot of special needs children don't age out at 18. And if you don't take that into consideration, your narcissistic spouse at 18 is going to be all done. Thank you. And then you're left with the buying of the wheelchair and the special things that you have to do because they're simply just in argumentative mode as narcissists are. But when you give up and surrender and you don't stand up for your rights, it comes back to bite you. A hundred percent. You have to do your homework. You have to have your arms around what you're entitled to. I mean, even if a child doesn't have some kind of special need diagnosis, when your child turns 18, you can't even see their medical records at the pediatrician unless you do the paperwork with them and they grant you the authority to look at that. So think about if you're in that situation and your child has some major medical issues or mental health issues, you really have to plan for it so that you can retain the control that you need to be able to help support them in the ways that they need. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, and again, the cost of it while upfront is, you know, small comparison to the whole divorce process. Um, I ask people, I'm like, how much did you spend on your wedding dress? Hmm. Right. <laughs> how long did you wear that? 
we're talking about an 18 year wedding dress and how much would that be if you, you know, concatenated it over to 18 years and just say, I need to make this investment because that will keep the peace for the rest of the, our child's life and be able to financially protect them. I know that you, you talk a lot about um, setting up like funds and um, trusts for mm -hmm. the future. And I know a lot of people are like, we don't have money for that. <laughs> what is a, a trust and a, and a financial security plan for your child look like? Even if you don't have money, I think they still need it, right? Yeah. So people hear the word trust and they say, I'm not uber wealthy. I'm not setting up a trust for my child, but it's very different from that when it comes to special needs. And just like anything else in your divorce, you need to find that team. So I always recommend to parents who have children with special education needs that they seek out attorneys and financial experts who can set up the different tools that are going to protect assets for them. So for example, if you go to a certified divorce financial analyst who also understands special needs, they can figure out what is the right kind of trust for you. And by trust, all we're saying is you're going to put money in an account in a certain place that's saved for a certain purpose. It's like it has caution cones around it. So say, for example, you are getting some kind of state aid for your child because they're entitled to disability benefits. They can't get that if they have above a certain threshold of income. And they may have other sources of income, they may have assets, but if you put them in a special needs trust, that's not gonna prevent them from accessing those benefits. And then within that trust, there are also certain kinds of accounts. There's something called an ABLE account that a lot of people have never heard of. Most people have heard of a 529 account and they know that that's a good way to save for college and save on taxes and take advantage of that benefit by doing it. Well, if your child has any kind of special need, you can open an ABLE account that's similar to a 529, but it's actually broader in what you can use it for. It's not just specifically for tuition. They can use it on housing, on groceries, on all kinds of things. So if you go to a financial professional who has that knowledge, who can explain to you what the different options are, you're gonna actually save a lot of money in the long run because you're gonna save on taxes, you're gonna set the money aside, you're gonna set up some sort of system perhaps where both parents are contributing regularly um, so that when you run into some sort of high cost that maybe you couldn't have anticipated sooner, you know where that money is coming from because so many things are unpredictable. Insurance could change in the future. That's something that comes up a lot. And then all of a sudden, uh-oh, we're gonna be in medical debt. So these are ways to avoid that kind of a crisis. That's so helpful. People need to understand that because we all know about that 529 college plan, right? Um, but they don't necessarily know what is in this. And, and this, that's what you help people with, right? Absolutely. And it's gonna it's going to help if you anticipate um, what might come up down the road, but sometimes you can't anticipate things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they say the devil is in the details. You know, we'll, we'll talk about co-parenting and, and shared costs and by what percentage are we sharing the basketball uniform and all the extracurriculars and things like that. And let's say a couple is sharing them 50%. Okay, well, it's one thing to talk about a basketball uniform that might be $40. What about a therapeutic boarding school? That's a whole different ball game. And nobody thought 10 years before it happened that that's what they were going to be talking about. So mm -hmm. maybe you want to deal with things above a certain dollar amount 
in a different way. Maybe if something is an extraordinary expense, a different conversation is required. But it's looking at those things and seeing what you want to put in your agreement that might help to avoid future pitfalls that can really be helpful if you have professionals who know to help you ask those questions. Exactly. Now, do you, do you see a lot of parents giving uh, and like fighting back and forth with each other over these kind of costs? And, you know, again, NARC world, they fight over, you know, the, the paper that it was printed on just to fight. But when you're getting into this kind of thing, does the courts actually have almost like more power to say, no, you know, this is sort of come together. This information is from this expert and the doctors say you're going to need this or you do need this. Does the court have more power to enforce this? Because we know narcissists don't always obey what they're ordered to do. Of course. And yes, the courts do have some control. Again, it's very hard to get somebody to do something that they just don't want to do. But of course, if you wind up in a hearing in front of a judge, they can tell you XYZ is in the best interest of the child and therefore you must do it. But again, it goes back to getting that backup support documentation so that your judge knows it's important, it's necessary for your child, because they're not going to know that your child has to go to a particular program, has to receive a certain clinical service. They're not going to know unless they see, oh, but Dr. So-and-so said it's medically necessary. Mm -hmm. That can make all the difference. Yeah. And, and I think that also ties into the sort of resolution, like, you know, conflict policy that if we don't agree, this is the first level of like a parent coordinator. Or again, maybe it's that if the doctor, you know, in charge of the case says he, the child needs this, then we we listen to that. Next level is parent coordinator. Next level is mediation and onward. Right. So that also can get written in here so that it does you have a plan if you don't get along instead of going, okay, fine, I'll pay for the wheelchair, right? Yes, there are tools at all different levels. I mean, you said, do you see parents argue? Of course, even the most amicable of parents have disagreements about shared child-related expenses and things like that. And one of the first solutions we can do is try to get them to use a good co-parenting app because that can simplify it so they're not having those discussions. Mm -hmm. They're just putting in you know, $20 for this, $30 for that. At the end of the month or the quarter, they settle it up. And that can really diffuse a lot of those arguments Mm -hmm. And that can really be used for any type of expense. So I do encourage clients to use those apps. I think they're a great way to avoid those messier conversations. And then it kind of goes up and up from there when you get that support for the larger things that are needed. And you're able to put that, like you said, into the details of your agreement and plan for it. That really helps. Even if you have a parenting plan that's really not that robust and you see that problems are developing because you haven't put some of these things in, you can go back and add them. You can create an amendment to your parenting plan and say, well, we didn't think of this before, but things have changed. Our child has gotten older, life changes, needs change. And now I think we need to include some more details and you can have somebody draft something and hopefully agree on it. But if not, submit it to the court for a review and see if you can add something to your parenting plan as you move along through the years. That's so helpful to know because people don't even think about that in a normal parenting plan, that this is sort of liquid. It, it's it's liquid when we go back to court and we fight and we you know, argue, but they think it's written in stone and they just walk away and go, okay, I, I'm just not going to fight. 
but to know that we can just add this. And again, with a special needs child, we don't know if their cancer is going to do something and they're going to lose a leg and they're, you know, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. And so planning ahead and knowing and even having a line in there that, you know, at any time, either parent can come back and say, we need to modify this and change it. Absolutely. And I mean, we talk all the time about how we have to separate the emotion from the divorce, from the homework of divorce. It's the same when it comes to these things. The more you can take your emotion out of it and just focus on here are the best need, best interests of my child, what's going to serve his or her best interests and create a plan for it and do the homework and go in really organized, that's going to help you. Because again, if you're going to court, that's what the judges want to see. They don't want to hear you guys arguing back and forth. They want you to say, there's a plan. It's right here. It's supported by medical evidence. Please just approve this order. That's, that's really good to know. Thank you. What I want to ask for one last question for you is, what did we miss talking about? Is there something that I didn't have you tell us that people really need to know? Um, I would say, I'm going to go back to my favorite, which I always think is the most important thing that we often leave out, is to take care of yourself. Mm. Because we're talking about our children, and in this case, special needs children, Wow, is that overwhelming and exhausting, especially when you're going through a divorce. And if you're not taking good care of yourself, you certainly cannot take care of other people. So mm -hmm. it is not selfish. It is not frivolous. You do what you need to do to keep yourself sane. Maintain your friendships. Go work out. Go get some sunshine. Do whatever you need to do to keep your head on straight because that is ultimately gonna make you a better parent. It's gonna help you get through the entire process. And it's really setting a great example for your kids to say, this, this is how we get through the hard stuff. You just made a great point and I went, ding, ding, ding. Can, can something be worked into the plan? Because if someone is the primary parent and maybe the kid lives with them full-time, maybe they don't, but they're the primary care who isn't having that time to take care of themselves. Could something be worked into get some daycare or nursing help in so that that parent can go for a walk? Absolutely. Respite care should be part of the plan because nobody can be the Energizer Bunny and just go 24 seven. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much. Can you tell people how they can get in touch with you? Because I know that you are the expert in this and you've done this and you know the rules that you know what people have to look for. How do they reach you? They can go right to my website at www.rebecca-stern.com and they can book a strategy session right on there. Awesome. And I'm assuming you'd have your social media or any other links on that website. So we'll put that down below your name here. And I can't thank you enough for this. It's been so helpful. And it's just a much needed part of the puzzle for some parents. And they don't have as many resources. So thank you for being there for us. Thank you so much, Tracy. I hope that was helpful for you. If you have a child with special needs, please reach out to Rebecca and, and do that consultation. What do I need to know? What do I, where, steer me in the right direction. Help me. You know, she may not be in your state, but she does this as coaching so she can help you wherever you are. 
and she really is the expert. So this is Tracy Malone. Um, thank you for watching. If you are new to my channel, please subscribe. If you like the video, please give it a thumbs up so that YouTube shows my videos to other people in need. So thank you so much, and we will see you again next time.